What does it mean to be a vulnerable Christian man? Walking through life weak and powerless is not what Jesus had in mind for us. It's time to fight. It's time to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We are OB, Sean, Brandon, and Shane, and this is The Uncomfortable. Hello and welcome to The Uncomfortable Truth. Uh, this morning we have a guest. You'll see him on the video here. His name's Nathan Dean. Uh, Brandon will get into the introduction of the great Nate here in a minute. But uh, uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortably, this is our first live video podcast with a remote guest. We've done a remote guest on audio only before. This is our first. Nate, congratulations, by the way. You're the, you're the first remote face seen on this podcast. I did it. What's up, dude? I did it. So, like, <laughs> figuring this out, man, technology nowadays is a lot easier than it used to be. It can do anything as long as you know how to tell it what to do. That's right. That's right. And I don't. And well, we we yeah. didn't know. I didn't this that's why we have Nate on because Nate we both know Nate and he's very understanding and, and gracious, and, thank yeah, goodness. And and calm and relaxed and at least this morning he is because it's early. Uh, he gets fired up around eleven o'clock, I would imagine. But um I thought Brandon's brain was gonna explode oh trying gosh. to think about how this process would work. And I just I just had to tell him, I was like, Man, just let your little bro handle it, uh, like just most, of the rest, most of the rest of the things <laughs> in your life. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Nate, good to have you this morning. Brandon's going to introduce you because uh, he actually knows you a lot better than I do. Yep. So, Shane, let's open up in prayer. Yep. And then we'll get rolling. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing Nate to be on here with us. Lord, I pray that whatever comes out of our mouth uh, honors and glorifies you, Lord, and leads other people to you. Lord, we lift you up and we love you. Amen. Amen. So, it <clears> is. A great pleasure of mine to have Nate on the show. Um, Nate and our families have been connected for most of our life. Um, I think Nate moved to our little town we live in in Legion Fields in his you know junior high years, and I forgot you weren't native. Nope. Where'd Ni- you- 19, 1993. 1993. September of ninety three is when we okay. when we started or when we moved. Where did y'all move from? Bossier City, Louisiana. Okay. I totally forgot yep. that. Yep. So Nate and I's friendship is a great testament to God's sovereignty. Because we all know when we graduate school, nine times out of ten, you go your separate ways. You probably don't spend near as much time or any time with people that you were close to in school. Um, yeah. And the short version is, is that God saw it fit for Nate and I to reconnect. Yeah, also, you forgot to mention one thing. Brandon was a turd in high school and very hard to get along with. That's so <laughs> probably why you guys didn't connect on a, on a higher level at that point. I think Nate would disagree a little bit, but whatever. Okay, so <laughs> Nate has an awesome background, and we'll I'm sure all of this will kind of unfold as we, we get to discussing things with Nate. But Nate has a heart for sharing God's Word. He uh, has done a lot of really cool things. The dude can sing. A lot of cool background, and we'll talk about how we got reconnected and why, but it's all a story of God's sovereignty. And I would say that uh, along with Shane and the guys that normally sit here, Nate is the person that I talk to the most. We typically talk every day in some way, shape, or form. So it is my pleasure to uh, have my dear friend, uh, accountability partner, and business partner, and all other things on the show, Nate Stoked to have you, man. How are you this morning? I am great. I am excited to be here. I appreciate y'all 
asking me to be a part of this. Um, Shane, he was he was probably just a turd to you. Yeah, um, he was he was cool to cool everybody else. That is a very true <laughs> statement. I had a I had a uh, disconnected view of reality from my brother at that moment because he was just a, a yeah. knucklehead yeah. to me. Well. It's, uh, it's funny how, well, we tend to, because I have a, a younger brother too, and uh, we didn't always have the greatest relationship, but uh, as we grow up, we, uh, we tend to grow out of that uh, mode, and it, uh, it's really cool to see now the relationship I have with my brother yeah. as opposed to the relationship I had, and w- which gives me, gives me a lot of hope in my kids that one day they will grow up and stop fighting. Man, it, do you just like as a dad, how many kids do you have, Nate? I've got four. Four kids, okay. And it's like as a parent of kids in general, more than one, do you feel like you're just a referee all the time? Uh, um, but for two of them, definitely. Okay. Uh, so my middle two – um, my oldest son is a sophomore in high school. My oldest daughter, did I say oldest you, or youngest? You said your oldest son, oldest. but you have an older son than that. Okay. Youngest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my oldest son is a freshman at SFA. Yep. My youngest son is a sophomore in high school. My, uh, oldest daughter is seventh grader. My youngest daughter is fourth grader. So the 10th grader and the seventh grader, the boy and the girl, we have called them the twins for years because they are, they've been at each other since day one. In fact, a fun fact, <laughs> the day we brought Hallie, my daughter, home from the hospital. This is the seventh my grader. My dad, right? yes, the seventh grader. So my dad is holding her on the couch, right? Toby walks in with a little rubber basketball. And he throws it and bounces it off of her head. And I thought my dad was going to lose it. Um, Yeah, so it it was like, you know, they they talk about that middle child syndrome. Uh It was as if the day she was born, he immediately flipped flipped that switch into middle child mode. And uh, he never really left that. Um, So. But now I've got two middle children, yes. the boy and the girl, and they're just, they're at each other a lot. Um, Isn't it so, an interest, interesting dynamic on like your kids and like the birth order and how they act and respond to things based on where they are in that order? Like I, I'm assuming your oldest is probably your most responsible. It's funny. So we had him. And he was like the perfect child. Um, like he started sleeping through the night, like two weeks home from the hospital. Um, we never had to baby proof our house ever for him. He never got into anything. If we didn't want him to go in a room, we just turned the light off and he just wouldn't even go in there. And um, so we were just like, man, parenting is so easy. Yeah. Like, it's like his false and then, sense of reality. And then, and then, it's like, I'm really and then good Toby at this. came along. Yeah, then Toby showed up, my youngest son, and it was just like, what the heck happened? Because they were just like completely opposite. Toby got into everything. We had to baby-proof everything. I don't remember how old he was, but one day he got a bottle of Otoban, and he sprayed it in his mouth, and we had to call poison control. Oh, my God. Um, Fortunately, he didn't get enough of it in his system, 
And so we were able to just like, um, basically a waterboard him, um, like <laughs> trying to get as much water into, into his system as possible to flush it out. New parenting tactics. <laughs> Nothing Man. else works, waterboard them. Man, I remember yeah. a, a situation when my middle son had decided at one point it would be cool to sniff a, sniff a deflated balloon. <laughs> and uh, had to, at like three or four years old, had to literally hold him down with tweezers and pinch, get his nose open and try. Uh. And by the grace of the <laughs> Lord, I got a piece and pulled it out. Jeez. Interesting things happen with kids. Man. Well... That uh, <clears throat> that brings up a a, a a little bit of a gross story, but um, since you mentioned the tweezers, I'll go ahead and share this. Um, so when my oldest son was very young, he was sleeping in our bed. Um, he had like he had gotten up out of his bed in the middle of the night and came and got in our bed. So he was in, he was in between me and my wife, and uh, you know how that sound of a kid hurling can wake oh, you up in a dead uh, sleep. Uh-huh. Um, so apparently she hears him about to throw up and she turns him towards me. (laughs) This is your wife laying in bed with you, right? Okay. Yes. So I am, I'm laying on my side like this facing out. And all of a sudden this hot (laughs) sensation Starts running down my face. Oh my God. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. He threw up on my head and my wife had to fish um corn out of my ear with some tweezers <laughs> because he threw up in my ear. Yeah. So oh. there's a fun story for somebody listening. That did did you not throw up when you re- when you realized I don't know I don't know how I did because I used to have the weakest stomach. It was unbelievable like the things that would trigger me and when i had kids like man that just went out the window because it was just like if you have a weak stomach and have kids like you are you're in bad shape yeah i mean every time um, you change a dirty diaper you're probably going to get some poop on your hands yeah oh i remember the first one i changed i'm like my wife is just dying because i'm gagging i'm just (laughs) like um, and so, all right, so here's the, another fun story. So when my oldest son, he's going to hate me for this, but, um, so when my oldest son <laughs> was potty training for the first time, we would put, we would turn him around backwards on the toilet because ergonomically it was yeah. easier for him to sit, balance himself that uh-huh. way. So the first time he pooped in the toilet, He's like looking down and he sees it coming out and he starts gagging as he's pooping. <laughs> he's like, he's like, <laughs> it was so funny. He's like, bro, this uh, is how I feel. This is how I felt yeah, for get, three years. Welcome to so, my world, yeah, buddy. He, uh, he, he grew out of it too, but, um, and, and, and I grew out of it. Like, I, I mean, I, as a parent, um, you either grow out of it or you're just like in a really bad situation. Yeah. And so fortunately I grew out of it and now like nothing bothers me, but Man, whatever. You're getting into this parenting mode is interesting because like it's uh, before you become a parent, you know, there's a lot of things that you wish somebody would have told you to prepare you for that. And, and speaking of pooping, one of the things I wish somebody would have prepared me from was the transition the poop smell from the the kids transition from formula 
or breast milk to solid uh, food oh yeah uh-huh. is a night and day difference and you don't realize how good you have it when they're on when they're when they're just drinking milk yeah. versus when they start putting some of that baby food in there it is a whole different level yeah. of concoction coming out of that diaper <laughs> well you are correct I didn't really foresee the first 10 minutes being about poop and vomit, but <laughs> hey, most of my uncomfortable intros have something to do with some sort of bodily function hey, that has been off. I, th- I think hey, these it, are the uncomfortable truths of parenthood. That, that's, that's right. Uh, we could probably do, I mean, most of our episodes that have parents on that are in any other facet we're having them on for, being a parent comes up. Like oh, almost yeah. naturally. I mean, it's everyday life. Yeah, because it's a part of everything you do. Um, <laughs> let's see if we can segue yeah. from that. <laughs> yeah. So, Nate, you know, it is the uncomfortable truth, and, you know, we're just honored to have you on here. I, a big piece of what I have always enjoyed about our friendship is that you are not somebody that typically overreacts to things. Now, I got to put a little context in here from my point of view. Nate and I probably know each other better over the last five years than just about anyone. So there's a lot of, we talk about this often on the podcast, as a man who is attempting to be a follower of Christ and share Christ with others as often as possible, the devil tries to convince us that we should have no vulnerability with any man at all so that we'll separate and seclude ourselves. And what I can tell you now is, is that Nate and I's journey to reconnecting and the friendship that turned into a business and all other things started with us both being willing to be vulnerable. And it started really and simply, there was already a trust there, so that's a key piece, with accountability. The very short version is, Nate and I started basically saying, hey, I've got this in my life, you've got this in your life, let's just see if we can help each other be accountable. That simply looked like this. I was giving up alcohol, and I think at the time, Nate was working on giving up sugar. I think, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah, you're okay. right. You're okay. right. So we were, we, I can't put it into words, and I'm sure we had read something, but we had kind of concluded that, oh, I'd started working out early in the morning, early, early, like 345 or 4. That's a whole nother story. And we kind of concluded that how we get up in the morning kind of sets the tone. Obviously, how you go to sleep, too. So we were checking in on each other. We began vivaciously reading everything we could. We had a reading group. All these things that I hadn't done in the last 15 years of my adult life. Yeah. Um, Shane was aware of all this because we're talking about all these things as well. And, you know, so, Nate, tell us a little bit about that journey and how that started, but also bring us to today. You know, like where you were then, where you are now, what you know as a believer. Nate has a background in ministry. He's been a youth minister or a pastor for almost the past 15 years. So it's really cool to have Nate's our first pastor on uh, the show. Kind, uh, Chris, Chris and uh, Julie Engler yes. lead, lead worship. They lead worship. And so does Zach, Zach, Zach. Bott. And so, Corey Perkins a bit on. but That's right. So he's not our first, but he's... Yeah. You've you've done a little bit of everything, and ministry is kind of who you are. So maybe just connect that and just tell us a little bit about your journey, and then we'll tie into any of that as we go. 
Well, I mean, as far as our story, um, kind of like you said, we were we were able to reconnect, and 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 originally, I remember I remember that day that I stopped by your office. Uh-huh. Um, I had I had just started a sort of a segment of our business, which was my dad's business sideline. If anybody's from Marshall, Texas, you probably remember the shoe store in the mall. Um, Sideline shoe store, that was my dad's business. And in 2008, we had brought it online. I built a website for his company and we started shipping stuff literally all over the world. We had customers in Japan and Greece and all over the place. Um, And so I had opened up an outdoor, kind of an outdoor division of the business started an outdoor division of the business where um, we had gotten our firearms license and we were doing, you know, guns and knives and outdoor products and things like that. And so I was excited about it. And for, for whatever reason, <clears throat> you had just kind of popped up in my head. I was, I was in Marshall at the time um, because I would, had come, I, we were living three hours away from Marshall. And so I had come in that day or, the next couple of days to just spend some time in the business working on that. And for some reason you just kind of popped in my head and I was like, man, I'm reach out to Brandon, see what he's got going on. And so, uh, I came to Legion fields, sat down in your office. We talked, had a good visit and I was kind of showing you the website and everything like that. And it was just very, very obvious from that point forward that it was like, there was something, there was something there because kind of like you said, we had graduated high school kind of life just took us different directions. Um, but, uh, it, it was, it was obvious that there was a reason why we connected. Um, it was, it was for me, I was just like, I was just excited about getting to know you again. Yep. Um, and so from there we just, probably just started kind of texting back and forth, uh, different, different things. We started, uh, reading books together mm-hmm. and, uh, just, you know, got into some, some deep accountability, just holding each other accountable to be better husbands, better fathers, better followers of Christ. Um, as you said, you know, you were, you were working on, well, at, when we first started talking, you didn't really recognize alcohol as a problem. It was, I couldn't I remember, remember the timeline. One day, yeah, I remember one day we were having a conversation about it, and and I remember asking you a question, and it was, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but you had sort of shared with me, you had started recognizing the fact that this was something that needed to change, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it wrong, but I said something along the lines of. If if alcohol ended up causing you to hurt yourself or your family, how would you feel about that? Yeah, I vaguely I it was something, I remember it that was, it was something like that. Uh-huh. But I remember, I remember you didn't, you couldn't really, you didn't really have anything to say other than, man. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and and it was probably not long after that that you came to me and you said. Hey, I I need to get this out of my life. Yep. Yep. 
And uh, so we started holding each other accountable. And, um, and, and, and I told you that I had, uh, I was kind of addicted to sugar. Um, if it was anywhere near me, I was probably going to consume it. And so we, I started asking you about alcohol. You started asking me about sugar and lo and behold, we basically just kicked it. Yep. Um, yep. and I'm not, I'm not addicted to sugar anymore. Um, I can go days and days and days without sugar. I'm drinking coffee right now, which is just black coffee. My favorite or my preferred beverages, uh, are black coffee, unsweet tea and water. That, that's pretty much all I drink. Um, so this, this point that you came to, and you've probably shared this before, but, uh, it was, you know, late December that, uh, Jesus just showed up in your life in a big way. And I remember you calling, you were just like, man, the Lord got a hold of me and I am done. Yep. And it was like, I think it was like December 22nd, December 23rd, when you took your last sip of 2017. I don't know how you remember these things, but what I, what I find really cool is that, uh, you guys hold each other accountable enough and that these are, you're so you're intertwined that these dates are important to you as well. Yeah. Hey, Nate, Nate is right on it. Example of, of true accountability with each, with another man. It's, it's it was December twenty first, two thousand seventeen, Nate, which is just like, I mean, I know how much you love me, and I know how much I love you, and I'm not scared to say that, you know. And I would have been ten years ago, I would have never even let that thought come out of my head or out of my mouth. So, the whole thing that I think, I'll tell you, one of my favorite. What does accountability look like? It looks like another man asking you a question that you know you need to ask yourself but you're not man enough yet for lack of a better term convicted enough to say it out loud because if we don't say it out loud we can kind of keep it in the dark man and this is good stuff (laughs) go ahead and finish and so the fact that i had become vulnerable enough with someone and you know and uh, what a blessing that it's nate and nate with me We've said some pretty tough things to to each other, yeah. Uh, that don't really tickle the ear. <laughs> uh, it's sometimes, for lack of a better word, sucks. It's very uncomfortable. So one of the things that's been in my brain, and I cannot, you know, like the the older we get, the more our brain's trying to forget things, right? Uh-huh. You you keep putting stuff in there, stuff disappears. And this is one thing that is not disappearing is this phrase, cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the definition of that is the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, beliefs or attitudes, especially as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude changes. It's a mental conflict that stops progress. It's contradictory values, attitude, or perspectives about the same thing. So when our thought and our actions don't line up, we cannot live in a, in a peaceful state. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I where think it was, uh, I, I think it was, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you good. I was, done. um, uh, I think it was Charles Spurgeon that said, uh, 
something along the lines of when he was speaking of integrity and he said, integrity is when lips and life come together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The real change happens when you get brutally honest with yourself. Like we try to fool ourselves sometimes into thinking this isn't a problem. And when we know in the back of our head, we're just lying to ourselves so that we can, um, make excuses basically. Well, this is, it's kind of, um, profound to think about this, but it's, it's more difficult to be accountable to a person than it is to be accountable to God. Um, which is why James specifically said, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Healed. So, if you're walking along in life and you're struggling and you don't have someone to hold you accountable, most likely you're going to continue to struggle. Now, in, with sincerity in our heart, we can go to the Lord and he can heal us and he can, he can forgive us and we can confess and all those things. But there has to be some sort of tangible thing here on earth that kind of keeps us on that path and kind of keeps us moving in the right direction. Mm. Um, it's, it's much more, it's much easier to, uh, to hide your struggles, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and when we hide our struggles and we don't have anybody to share those things with, then, um, we get to a place exactly where Satan wants us because, Satan doesn't want us to be accountable to another brother. Yep. Satan wants us to feel guilt and feel shame and to stay hidden in this dark place where we might trick ourselves into saying, well, I don't need to talk to somebody because I have the Lord and I can go to him and everything like that, which you absolutely can. But the problem is a lot of times we don't go to the Lord. Mm-hmm. We use that as an excuse for not talking to somebody, and then we still don't do anything about it. Yeah. So, Nate, we say this a lot, and it reminds So we're studying Daniel on Wednesday nights, and last night, Brother Derek brings up, I think it's Daniel chapter 2, around verse 20 or 25, where basically um, Daniel goes in to see King Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar is about to wipe out all of the magicians and psychics and all that because they can't interpret his dream and the key piece that really honed in for me and made an impact was what we're talking about right now daniel has the king's ear in some capacity but he also gets time from the king to go and try to interpret his dream and guess what daniel does he comes back and he tells they have a different name in the Bible, but we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he yeah. says, I need us all to lift this situation up in prayer to the Lord and ask God if he will help me understand and interpret this dream. So the key piece that really jumped out to me, and it's a perfect segue into this, our conversation this morning, is if you don't have men that you can be held accountable by, then first of all, you're not opening yourself up to genuine relationships, which is how we grow on this earth in our faith and our walk. Because of what you just said, Nate, you hit the nail on the head. 
the devil is all up in the when men keep it to themselves. I think this is one of the biggest problems in men and culture today. So then you have to have people that you can bring to them and go, can you pray with me about this? Because prayer is, I mean, what say what you say the verse in James you just said again. Confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. I mean, it doesn't get any more simple than that. I didn't say easy, huh. but it I did say simple. I vividly remember another time where I was complaining and whining a little bit to Nate because when you spend so much time with people, they don't always get to – you show your less than pretty sides. Yeah. And I'm whining and moaning and blah, blah, blah because I was at the end of my time in the school system and I'd become pretty jaded. And and Nate didn't bring up scripture, but he basically said, Brandon, you need to make this your fault and basically put on your big boy pants and figure this out. Said another way, I'm tired of hearing you complain about it. Yeah, you want do some, something about it, or you want some cheese of that wine? That's above exactly them? right. Yeah, but yeah, when you have well, a s- sincere enough friendship and accountability to do that and receive that, I mean, I would flip that on its head and say, Nate, in the last six months, I've said some pretty loving, harsh truths to you. And that's, and you know, it's out of love and, but that doesn't just happen because we reconnected one time after all the years and, you know, being away from each other. And this is over five, six years that that ability to lean in to, even if it aggravates Nate or it aggravates me, what Nate says to me or Shane says to me, you have the test of time to know that they've been there good, bad, or indifferent, best, worst in the middle. Mm-hmm. So, um, Nate, tie us into what jumps out at you when we kind of talk about those things. You know, right now, recently, maybe tie a little bit into your ministry background, and um, let's hear a little bit about that. Well, one thing that came to mind, because I remember the, the situation you were referring to, uh-huh. um, and, you know, one thing that, that comes to mind is, as believers, we often forget that every time, every interaction, every opportunity we have to be around people is a part of our witness. And we go through and sometimes we react and we respond to things and forget that because of that response, that uh, that creates a bigger hurdle to overcome in bringing and kind of bringing them back to where where you're trying to point them, which is ultimately to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So when um, I, I mean I, <laughs> I I'm guilty of this. Like there are times, there are moments where things happen, mm-hmm. and I think about the way I could respond to it, and then I go. But is that really is that really how I need to respond to it? And um, now, man, there was something the other well, day. What you're really saying is we have a worldly view we want to respond to. James talks about this. You either choose to respond in the worldly view or the godly view, the heavenly view. Anything that's not yeah. heavenly is from this earth, and he even says it's demonic. 
which is pretty intense to be giving advice that's worldly. <laughs> right. So the other, this was a, an example that's still fresh on my mind because it happened the other day. The other day I was driving to Walmart. I had both my girls in the car with me and the, the lanes merge uh, into one lane and I'm in the correct lane. Well, this Jeep is behind me and apparently they didn't like the fact that I wasn't speeding. So they go flying around the shoulder like the mer- lanes have already merged. They go flying around the shoulder and then jump back in and nearly hit me as they jump back in. Um, so then I'm like, man, where are they going in such a hurry? You know? Um, so then we uh, get into town and lo and behold, I end up right behind them. <laughs> they pull into Walmart. I pull into Walmart. And this dude gets out, and I'm thinking, I know exactly what I'm going to say to this guy. And I wasn't going to be ugly, but I was just going to be like, hey, we got here at the same time. <laughs> you know, you put, my girl, you put my girl's life in jeopardy just to get here at the same time. Like, all these things were running through my head as far as what I was going to say to him. And, all, man, my, I, my blood was just boiling. And I was just like, what is that going to solve? in the grand scheme of things uh-huh. because if i respond that way if i if i start the conversation that way he's going to meet me at least where i'm at or even come over the top yeah, yeah. and then we're going to have an issue yeah and i've got my girls with me yeah and and also at the same time you know i'm supposed to be pointing people to jesus and so i was just like it's not worth it like there's like i, w- I want to really bad but it's just not worth it <laughs> yeah um and yeah, we go through situations every day where I'm trying to remember what the scripture is, but essentially, um, man, yeah, maybe like Second Corinthians or something like somewhere in Second Corinthians. I could be wrong. I can't remember exactly where it is, but there's a scripture that basically says that the Holy Spirit enables us to overcome sin. Mm-hmm. So. With, this was something that I used to tell my students all the time when I was a youth pastor. Every time you are tempted to sin, there's a choice that you have to make. It may not feel like it at the time. It may feel like like you just you just stepped right into it and and you know figured it out later. But every time we are tempted, there is a choice that we have to make. And scripture says that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to overcome that. But it's recognizing the fact that we are being tempted is what gives us the ability to overcome that. So what I used to tell my students is every time you feel tempted, just say this out loud. Jesus is so much better than that. Mm. And I said, if you can, if you can take half a second and make that statement to yourself, nine times out of 10, you're going to walk away from that temptation. Yeah, that's good. It's, you know, being self-aware and running everything through that filter of the Holy Spirit, which is a lot easier to say sitting here on this podcast (laughs) than it is to actually not, you know, I've noticed like the older I get, the less, the less I just, the less I have for, for people that make dumb decisions. And, you know, that was a, that was a dumb decision. Yeah. 
It's just like, you, I, I, listen, this has happened to me. You know, this people have pulled in front of me 72 times in my life, and the 73rd time I'm going to punch somebody in the face. And, and like, you, those thought processes will last longer in our heads now the more we have to deal with this. It's just, you know, like, Brandon, you mentioned being jaded earlier. Yeah. Like, we become, we become jaded if we're not. If we're not paying attention to the Holy Spirit and running everything through that yeah. filter. Nate, let's let's uh now go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, and you this might be where you're headed, but um I was gonna say when I was actually on staff at a church, those temptations were a lot less. Um like I because because it was like it was an immediate thought. I, I can't, re- I can't, re- I can't react to this. I can't respond to this because I'm, I'm a pastor, you know, you're or held, I'm a youth pastor or I'm a music pastor yeah. or something like that. You're held accountable just, by your public Just having position. that position. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. That's kind of where I was going. Um, so I want to fast forward just a little bit in your life. You were a minister for around 13 years. We discussed before we got on the show and, um, that, uh, came to an end about a year ago and for I I want to get a little bit down to the nitty-gritty with you Nate as far as like what was that like in your life when when that time was over you got 13 years in ministry and then the Lord says hey not anymore right now at least um how how did you handle that how'd that make you feel um what's what's your thought process around that well, uh, I think that's a key piece to it is, uh, not right now. Um, because uh, I do feel like I'm kind of in ministry furlough. Uh, I feel like, I don't feel like, I don't feel like God is done using me in the church in terms of like being on staff and, and all that stuff. Now the the side note to that is as believers, we're all called to ministry yeah. in some form or another. Mm. Um, some are on staff at churches, some are just lay people, but everybody's called to ministry. Um, now, uh, the situation I found myself in, uh, without, you know, getting too far into it was essentially a place where I had, uh, I just wasn't, I wasn't happy in general. Um, I had even slipped into some depression and things like that. Some of it was, you know, different people I might've been dealing with at the church. Some of it was just recognizing my own flaws. And, um, but it was, it was July of last year that I was at a youth camp uh, as a sponsor for our students. And I just felt this peace come over me about, when I get back to the church, I need to step down and let somebody else, you know, take over. Um, and this past year has been really good and really bad all at the same time. <laughs> um, so it was really good for me and my family to be able to take a step back and just kind of sit and be fed. Um, well, so for me personally, it was really good for me to be able to just take a step back and sit and be fed for a while. Um, But at the same time, what I ended up experiencing was because I had been in ministry for 13 years, I didn't remember what it was like to not be in ministry. And I developed this identity crisis 
not long after I left the church where I was just like, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know how to just be a regular person in the church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I ended up, you know, slipping into some depression and, and things like that. Um, Brandon is well aware of all this uh, because he's one, as I said earlier, you know, he's been my cheerleader through a lot of the struggles that I've gone through in the last few years, um, especially in the last year. And, um, but it was going through that, that one day I was, I was the, the church that we're uh, members at now, we plugged into a local church and um, it was one Sunday night that, or Sunday night, it was a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, one or the other, we don't have Sunday night service. So it was a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, one or the other, I don't remember exactly, but uh, I remember the pastor preaching and somehow, some way I was just reminded of my identity is not in a position. My identity is ultimately found in Christ. And that was where I really started to make this transition away from uh, all these earthly things that I used to find identity in and just running to the Lord because ultimately I'm, I'm, I am uh, an alien, so to speak, in this world. Like, I'm, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. Mm-hmm. And the only way that I can truly find my identity is to continue to run to the Lord and quit looking around at all these other things that I've got going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has really uh, been a huge blessing in the last several months as I've been pressing into that truth more and more. And and now I don't struggle with identity as far as who I am or, you know, what I'm about or anything like that, because I know that every time that I feel that way, that I can run back to scripture, I can run to the Lord in prayer, and I can be reminded of my identity. Nate, the thing that just jumps out at me right there is that even though you were in a position that most would say is the most clearly devoted by your actions on this earth. It's a, it was, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that you still dealt with doubt, uncertainty coming out of that, you know, and not being a pastor for, you know, when, when that ended Mm -hmm. temporarily and you still battled worldly things, you know, as a pastor, now, I got a front row seat to this. So, like, and, and I'm not going to divulge anything other than say, guys, being a pastor is hard. Yeah. Uh, only <laughs> thing I can equate it to, semi, comparatively speaking, is when I was a principal in a small school and everybody knows you. And that's not the same, but it's similar in the sense that literally everybody knows you. They yeah, have an opinion of you. They have yeah. a thought process of you. They have a thing they think about you they haven't said they have things they think about you they have said it's It's, intense it's like being a a ceo of a of a company small medium or large company doesn't matter it's lonely at the top yep it it, unless you surround yourself with the right people and the right accountability and and stay in the word then the devil will try to isolate you at the top no matter if you're the uh, preacher of a you know, a church that's got, you know, 50,000 members or a hundred. Um, and I, you know, 
I really wanted to get into how we can support our our uh, ministers better, and I think you have a lot of great insight on that. We're going to save that for the next time you're on the show. Um, so next time you're in town, we'll have you live on the show. Yep, and we'll we'll get into the importance of supporting ministers and and really practically how to do that. Yeah, you just took the word out of my mouth. I want some practical things like. Nate, when this happened, I felt so supported. Even if they didn't agree with something I said, they still supported me and prayed for it. Because ultimately, a pastor is a human. Yeah, 100%. Period. Yeah, and we hold them, as the, as the church members, we hold them to a higher, they should be, we should be above reproach as Christians. Are you pinching if yourself? I pinch, I'm pinching myself right now because when I pinch myself, it hurts the same way it hurts everybody else. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, so you don't have this human pastoral yeah. pastoral no. skin? No. Where you can just hey, we'll, we'll get that? into it. When's the next time you're coming in town, Nate? We'll figure it out. Okay. I have no idea, but we'll figure it out. Okay. He's not that far from here. We'll make yeah. it happen. Yeah. No, right. Not that far. Nate, appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, hey, uh, real quick. Thanks for having me. What is, uh, if you want to find Nate, uh, best place to find Nate is on Twitter. What's your Twitter, Twitter handle? Twitter handle is Chronicles Nate. Um, and I am Nate, the infinite banking coach on Twitter. Okay. So if you want to look into that's, uh, infinite banking is a concept that Brennan and Nate, uh, have in their business. Uh, unlimited life concepts is their business. And it's basically just a quick synopsis is, uh, becoming your own banker. It sounds interesting to you to be your own banker and control your finances and your freedom and your future uh, by using these concepts. Then uh, check them out. Y'all's website is unlimitedlifeconcepts.com. Yeah, check them out and uh, start start researching that. They have some courses. We'll put a uh, a course link. Is that a discount yeah. code or we're, just a link code? We're gonna give them. We're gonna give it to them. All I got to do is plug in the discount code. Okay, so we'll put that in the show notes. So this is a ninety-nine dollar value. This course sells for a, a hundred bucks, basically, yeah. on social media, and we're giving it away to anybody who's listening. Okay, yep. this is uh this is rare. I, this is not just some kind of uh, pitch to get you to do it. this. This is rare. Uh, they don't give these things away very yeah. often. So, a great value there. Y'all check that out in the description. Nate's uh, Twitter handle will be down there as well. Again. Thanks so much for being here, man. Really appreciate you getting getting your honey out of bed and um, <laughs> being on the show. Yep. yep. And uh, if you would, uh, hit that like, share, subscribe button at the bottom. Help us reach more people for Jesus. Go out and kick the day in the face, and we'll catch you on the next one.